listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics to help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Every entrepreneur is at the very least curious to learn more about how Amazon has accomplished so much over the years. Today's episode will uncover just that. My guest is Bill Carr, and as the prior vice president of digital media at Amazon, Bill has launched and managed the company's global digital music and video businesses, including Amazon Music, Prime Video, and Amazon Studios. In this episode, Bill will be sharing insights, stories, and secrets from inside Amazon that he learned in his more than 15 years with the company. For links to resources that will be mentioned during this episode, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 083. And now let's learn more about how Amazon has been able to accomplish so much. Here's my conversation with Bill Carr. Bill, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. So excited to have you with us today. So pleased to be here. Thanks for having me on, Alex. Absolutely. I have to say it's it's really great to finally talk to somebody who has worked in upper management at Amazon. I think you're going to provide some insights that many of us have wondered for a long time about. And I'm sure that anyone who meets you has just a thousand questions. Am I right? Yeah, they uh, they all tend to ask one of the same questions, which is, how does Amazon do it? Right. And I think that we're going to, this book, first off, Working Backwards, I think covers a lot of that. So we're definitely going to dive into that. But before I do, I've got the three other most common questions you probably get. First off, does everyone ask you if you can introduce them to Jeff Bezos? Is that like, a, <laughs> is that a question that you get? Um, not so many people are bold enough to ask me for an introduction, but they often ask for, tell me a story about Jeff. Yeah. Okay. Get a lot of those. All right. And what's, Very cool. and, what, and what's he like? Okay. Well, then I have to ask, you got to give us a really short one. Can you give us a short story about Jeff that everyone's going to be wondering about now? Uh, well, um, it, I'll start with just sort of what's he like and, um, what he's like is, uh, first of all, just back up to say was a, you know, um, frankly, a, uh, an incredible honor and, uh, an amazing experience for me to spend 15 years at Amazon and spend uh, a large chunk of those years, uh, a little more than a decade, where I actually worked very closely with Jeff on a number of projects. And it's a, an experience that I will, um, uh, you know, never be able to replicate because he truly is one of the greatest uh, minds, uh, business minds of the well, late 20th and now early 21st century. So, but Jeff has. Um, you know, the, the, the best um, way I would sum up sort of a story or like what Jeff is like is that what he had the uncanny ability to do is, um, you know, there's such a wide variety of businesses and operations and technologies and teams going on at the company. And, you know, Jeff would spend a ton of time personally reviewing each and every one of these businesses. And the uncanny thing that Jeff was able to do is that, you know, um, uh, you, you and your team may have been wrestling with all kinds of challenging problems with your business and you'd spend uh, toiling over them, spend weeks, hours and days documenting them, you know, coming up with a plan, writing that plan. And you'd put that put that plan in front of Jeff. And, you know, within a one hour or two hour meeting, he had the remarkable ability to see sort of straight through to the heart of the matter and give um, such incredible insights and direction to the team about where they needed to go in terms of the product or business decisions or how to think about things. And his ability to do this over and over and over again uh, is was and is simply astounding. So he is um, uh, you know, an incredibly intense, uh, brilliant, and uh, amazing leader. So it was, it was a real pleasure to work with him. 
Very cool. That's that's really interesting to, to hear. Uh, kind of follow-up question to that, and then we'll get into the actual episode we're going to be covering. Once people realize that you've worked at Amazon, you did 15 years there, you, you worked directly with, with Jeff and a lot of the major projects. And like I said, we'll talk about that. Do people still call you the Amazon guy wherever you're at? Like, is that kind of like <laughs> stuck to your identity now? Well, uh, you know, for years, I would get at cocktail parties and, and other things, questions about the different, you know, elements of the Amazon experience or, you know, kind of maybe help them with some issue with their package or things like that. Um, I still get some, I still get a lot of questions from time to time, but I have to point out to them that it's been uh, a number of years since I've been there. So, uh, I can't help them with maybe their, their current issue or, or, or challenge with <laughs> right. Amazon. Right. Understandable. Cool. So those were just my, my interested questions there. And it's a bunch of entrepreneurs that listen to creating a brand. I'm sure they would have had the same ones. So I wanted to get those uh, out of the way real quick here. So I, I already mentioned, but working backwards is just a phenomenal book. Like I thoroughly enjoyed this and I'd describe it as like, the Bible for understanding how Amazon works, for lack of a better term. That, that's what, how I felt when I was reading it, at least. Well, that's awesome to hear you say that. Um, uh, thank you so much for those kind words. And uh, that was actually our goal. So um, you know, literally when you know Colin and I set out uh, to write this book, we set it out to sort of answer the question that we get so often, we hear so often, uh, whether it's people asking us or we hear it in the press or from other business leaders, which is, how does Amazon do it? How how has this company been able to grow at such a remarkable rate and how they've been able to do it across such a wide span of businesses, everything from uh, uh, an e-commerce business to uh, a leading uh, digital media and device business with products like Amazon Alexa and Prime Video to uh, the leader in, in cloud computing with AWS. How have they been able to do this? And so... We, um, Colin and I knew that we actually had uh, a unique, um, our roles at the company and the time when we had those roles put us at a unique perch and position where we were sort of in the room and had the front row seat to see not only how did Amazon develop these businesses, but also how did they go about doing it from a, uh, how did they build a set of scalable, repeatable processes that enabled them to do so. So. We, um, we thought it'd be super cool if we could actually pass on uh, what uh, we learned, what the company learned to the next generation of business leaders. And, and that's what we sought out to do here with Working Backwards. Well, Bill, I have to say, I think that you, you did accomplish this for sure, because it, for me, it answered the question of, of like, I look at Amazon, even just going to their website when I buy something, like, how do these guys do it? I think to many of us entrepreneurs, it's so big now that we're like, what are they doing behind the scenes to make this thing run? And like you said at the beginning, that's something that you guys really sought to uncover here. So I'm excited to jump into this. You have the book broken into two parts. Part one we're about to get into. The second part is actually more like case studies or actual examples. So I'm excited to jump into one of those as well. But first, part one, you, you talk about it being... Being Amazonian is what you guys call it. And I'd love to kind of just hear a little bit of an overview as to, to what this means and how this kind of set the tone for Amazon. Yeah, so um, being Amazonian is actually a term that people use inside the company. So people refer to themselves who work at Amazon as, as Amazonians and your, your coworkers are Amazonians. But it means there's a greater meaning to it as well, which is that to be um, to work at Amazon is one thing, but to actually embody and embrace um, the Amazon leadership principles and to uh, and to incorporate those principles into the way you think, the way you make decisions, and how you act in terms of processes is what is what defines being truly Amazonian. 
And so literally people in the company would talk about whether, you know, that decision or that action was Amazonian or not, or whether someone was being Amazonian or maybe not being Amazonian. Um, and what we seek to do in the book is actually to codify that for you and understand, explain, like, what does it mean to be Amazonian? And at a high level, it's, uh, it's a combination of, number one, the, the 14 leadership principles that the company has, and then how the company has sought to weave those leadership principles into how everyone thinks and makes decisions, and then actually create, what we describe in the book, five different processes to reinforce them. Um, and the cool things that, that's different about these leadership principles rather than most companies is that um, they have real teeth, meaning that the company sought ways to actually have people make decisions and do work in ways that reinforced those principles. Uh, and what we, so what Colin and I have, have uh, done is sort of try to break that down for the reader. And um, uh, if you actually combine those leadership principles with these five processes, uh, what we, that makes up what we call uh, Amazon's invention machine. And that invention machine is what, uh, uh, by creating a set of scalable, repeatable processes, has allowed the company to actually go and be so successful across so, such a wide variety of businesses. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense because obviously with nearly a million employees at this point or whatever it is, like there's got to be some sort of guiding leadership principles. But what I like about it is you, you mentioned that they have teeth, right? I think that where so many people get it wrong is they come up with a culture code or some leadership principles and then they put it on, they slap it on the wall somewhere and no one in the company can recite them aside from maybe the person who wrote them. But it's, it's always been true, this principle that what's talked about in the halls is more powerful than what's written on the walls. And so many places forget that. But you guys have actually engraved this into the day-to-day -day operation. What was that like, having to do that as you scaled really quick? Because you were there for 15 years. I think you were probably there when it was pretty small. And now being closer to a million employees or whatever it is at this point, keeping these leadership principles must have had some, there must have been some difficulties along the way. Oh, uh, enormous difficulties along the way. So, um, you know, uh, you have to remember that uh, Amazon um, reached several milestones faster than any company in the history of business. It reached, uh, I think, 100 million in sales, a billion in sales, and 100 billion in sales actually broke the records the fastest in the history of business. So I joined the company, to your point, back in 1999 which was the peak of the dot-com boom. And Amazon was growing so fast back in those days that um, each year, uh, right after Thanksgiving, all of us who had you know, uh, desk jobs at the Seattle headquarters would literally leave our desk jobs or um, and, and fly out to one of the fulfillment centers for Amazon. In my case, for my first year, I flew out to um, Fernley, Nevada, uh, outside of Reno. And I spent uh, 21 days living out of a hotel in Reno, working the graveyard shift at our Fernley, Nevada Fulfillment Center, a 12 and a half hour shift um, for 21 days with two days off to help pick, pack and ship uh, toys, books, CDs uh, to our customers because we were growing so fast. We literally could not, we could not hire enough people to go and man those fulfillment centers. So um, to say that we had to figure out is an understatement because not only had we not even figured out how to, how to do the core part of our business right, but that extended to everything. So a, a simple example of, of that is, is hiring. So back in 1999, the company's growing like a weed. And when you have new people that you bring in as a senior leader, 
they're then going to go hire uh, new managers, and those new managers are going to go hire other new people. In other words, new people hiring new people hiring new people. Well, the opportunity for that to go wrong, and for those people to sort of, you know, for it to to not uh, for those people to not meet the, the the principles of the company are incredibly high. Uh, yes, because it's problematic. Right. You basically now left it at the discretion of people who have never worked for this company before, are brand new, and they can sort of freelance on thinking about how they'll interview people, who they should hire, uh, what kind of people they should hire, et cetera. And so Jeff recognized this relatively quickly because, of course, in the early days of Amazon, Jeff, you know, is the CEO, is your audience are of entrepreneurs. Like you can, if your company's small, like you can just interview everyone yourself. Right. And you can make sure that those people uh, meet your company's culture and the talent bar that you're looking for. Well, if you're adding hundreds of people um, a year, uh, or in Amazon's case, at some point it became hundreds of people a month, then you're going to have to come up with some scalable, repeatable process to ensure that you actually are making the appropriate hires. And so that's the time when Amazon came up with one of the first processes, which is called the Amazon Bar Razor process. And what's notable about that process are that, first of all, that interviewers um, actually are assigned very specific tasks of what information they're supposed to go collect in the interview. Uh, and they actually need to write down to type up and take careful notes about what they asked and what questions were answered. They need to write a, a, a detailed assessment of it. Um, they need to, uh, the way there's a specific mechanism way that you're supposed to interview, which is called using behavioral interviewing, which allows you to, to understand how people work rather than how they think. It also helps you gather more objective data. And then finally, most notably, there's, there's a, a person on every loop who's a subject matter expert in, in interviewing and hiring called a bar raiser. And that person is not the hiring manager, but they actually have a veto right over that hire. And uh, a good bar raiser, and I was one of them, would never actually exercise that veto power. But their, that person's job was to be the subject matter expert, to coach and teach people on the process, to make sure that the process was being followed, and to um, uh, actually uh, run the debrief meeting. And so by having um, this scalable, repeatable process, what Amazon was able to do is to make sure that the people they were hiring actually aligned with the company's principles. Um, and this is just one example of where the first, the first thing you have to have, of course, is establish what are your principles, and then you need to come up with reinforcing mechanisms. And one example we give in the book is the hiring process. Yeah, that one was something that really stuck out to me because I've never actually heard of anybody else hiring like that, even large organizations. And I, I just imagine for for you, Colin and and Jeff, having to let go of hiring people directly. Like you've hired people now that are new and letting them hire people. That must have been like, like losing that sense of ownership is probably pretty hard to let go of at some point. But you guys set these principles in place and having this bar raiser that I believe was probably really key to the success of Amazon overall for it to be able to scale the way it has. That's right. Because, you know, the, the company didn't stop growing in 1999. It's grown, you know, like mm -hmm. crazy. It's now it's close to being and on track to be one of the largest employers in the world. So if you don't have a good way of ensuring that you're hiring the right and best talent, then uh, what, what is the you know, what resource other than the people are, are more important to the company? There, there really isn't one. So you have to have, um, you know, spending, uh, one of the notable things about Amazon is that spend, you, leaders at Amazon spend an enormous amount of their time 
on the interviewing and hiring process. So for me as a leader, I would spend uh, an average of, of, of nearly 10 hours a week just on interviewing candidates, sitting in debriefs, and discussing different candidates. In some cases, some of that time was, by the way, for people not even in my own organization. Wow, that's really it's really fascinating the way that you guys did that. And again, it's led to the ability that you guys have had to, to now scale and continue to grow. So I love that we covered this point. We'll get right back to today's episode. But first, can you do two things for me? First, if you're enjoying this episode, please share it on your social media or share it directly with somebody that you know that would also benefit from listening. Secondly, please visit creatingabrand.com slash free to join the Creating a Brand Inner Circle. This is where I share exclusive content, including online courses, how-to videos, and other resources focused on helping entrepreneurs go further faster. By doing these two things, you are helping me reach and serve more people. So thank you in advance for your support. And now let's get back to today's episode. You got a few more points that we're actually going to skip just for sake of time. And I definitely want to make sure that we get into the one that's actually also the title of the book, which is Working Backwards. And you call this starting with the desired customer experience. Can you talk about this? And then we'll kind of get into a case study that you have. Yeah, so Working Backwards is the title of the book um, uh, because one of the core elements of, of one of Amazon's leadership principles is to always start with the customer and work backwards from there. And what does that mean? It means that in most cases, um, it's uh, companies actually start by thinking about what's right for their company from a financial point of view, or or they think about their competitors, and they focus on those things, and then they use those uh, by focusing on those things, then they make their decisions, whether it be about products or promotions or anything at the company, uh, based on that. So. With Amazon, they, uh, uh, Jeff sought to be Earth's most build Earth's most customer centric company, and to start by the customer and work backwards. And so, uh, but there was a lot of there, there were a number of years where we had that concept. We had actually no process to try to reinforce it. So much like the bar raiser process, this came out of um, this process was developed um, over time out of necessity as well. So. Uh, in fact, in you know during the early 2000s is, is, uh, was a sort of a renaissance age for the company where the company was busy developing new products for digital media, uh, devices like Kindle, AWS. And Jeff was spending a substantial amount of his time with those teams trying to figure out um, what those new products would be. And uh, I was leading one of those teams working on in digital media, and we would go to Jeff with sort of the standard, um, you know, with plans for what should our digital music service or ebook service or even devices look like. And we would do things like uh, we learned in business school, which was we would come up with what, what's, the, what's the size of this category, what should our market share be, you know, what will, um, what will our margins look like, basically a financial spreadsheet. And then we would have some slides talking about how we would go, what kind of deals we'd negotiate with our suppliers, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, we did everything from the point of view of what was good for the company. And Jeff found this pretty frustrating because he start, kept asking me questions like, well, where are the mock-ups for the music service? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have the mock-ups yet. We haven't figured out all those things. And to actually develop mock-ups is actually a, a, a very uh, complex and time-consuming task. You have to really think through every detail of the customer experience. And uh, through a process of trial and error and a lot of difficult and challenging meetings and different techniques, eventually we landed on, well, why don't we actually start by actually writing the press release for this new product 
now, and then a series of questions to go along with them. And this would be backwards, right? Because normally when you build a new product, you you come up with the product idea, the engineering team goes and builds it. And, and after it's ready, the last thing you do is you throw it over the wall to the marketing organization and say, now you need to go figure out how to sell this and write the press release. So that's the last thing. We decided let's go backwards because by, by writing the press release first, you would keep you laser focused on why are customers going to care about this product that you just created? How is it better or different from what they could do today? And it would also remove you from thinking about the constraints of various sort of financial issues or engineering problems um, and just focus purely on what would make for a great customer experience. And so we did that. Um, and, you know, as you alluded to, one of the first products we did that was the Amazon Kindle. And um, in doing so, it really changed how we thought about that product. And features that people take for granted today, but were, were revolutionary at the time, like let's make sure that the device has a screen using uh, that it, that is uh, a paper-like display. Let's make sure that you can actually shop for books while the device, whether the device is connected or not connected to your computer, because back in those old days, you couldn't do that with say an Apple iPod. Right. Um, and let's make sure, let's not worry about whether you're in Wi-Fi range or not, which was also a, uh, even though you don't have a, a, a cell contract with uh, AT&T or Verizon for, for this device. So all kinds of novel features that we came up with, were, we came up with only because we envisioned what would make for a great device. And then we, then we figured out and wrote that press release. Then we wrote down a whole lot of questions about, okay, well, how am I gonna solve this problem of that the paper needs to, uh, the display needs to be paper-like and not reflective? Or how am I gonna solve this problem of how I will let customers access the store and download books no matter where they are? And then that's when we got creative and started, and started figuring out solutions to that, those problems. Uh, so again, we worked backwards from the customer experience to then get that device right. I think it's it's so smart. I want to talk more about Kindle in, in a moment here, but I, I want to just mention to the listeners that I actually, so I don't consider myself necessarily a learner. I'm more of an implementer. So when I read this book and, and I got to this part, this working backwards chapter, I decided, okay, I'm going to go ahead and test this on my own product. So I had a, a small release, nothing big. I went ahead and and did the whole thing working backwards as you did. And it was easily my most effective release I've ever had. And it actually taught me more doing it that way. So I think that you have such a, this is such a great idea and concept for figuring out if something's even the right idea. I mean, if you start with the customer first, you can decide if you're even heading in the right direction. Because I think more times than not, we end up tweaking and adjusting so many times because the last thing we think about is, okay, now it's time for the customer. And you're like, oh, wait, we need to do this instead of this. But I, I, I tried this one and this is just, this is groundbreaking. And it, it has helped me so much. I'll do everything like this moving forward. Well, I'm glad to hear that you found it useful too. And, you know, we found, so, you know, trying it out on the Kindle and then we ended up trying out the same process on other uh, uh, new services and products in digital media and the early products in Amazon web services too. And what we found was that, yes, it forced you to think through a lot of hard questions and also, um, and oh, by the way, um, it, you also might write uh, eight different ones for eight different products but by going through this process, you could sort of compare and contrast different ideas and figure out which ones 
uh, were more exciting and better for customers. And so this process became the process at Amazon called the PR FAQ, which stands for press release and frequently asked questions, working backwards process. And so now every new product at Amazon since the, that time in sort of the mid 2000s has been developed using this process. And the good news is that it's actually um, it's actually not a very complicated process at all. And you um, and your company um, as an entrepreneur or business owner, like uh, a product leader, you too can use this process. It's very simple. Yeah, thank you for for this chapter and, and so many others. So we're not going to dive into those others in this first part of the book, but they they really are worth picking up a copy just to go through the rest of these. And of course, the 14 leadership principles are laid out there as well. But now I want to just for the last part of our conversation here, I want to talk more about Kindle because this is a project that you you were thrown into. Um, I don't mean to give away part of the book, but you were kind of put on this project. This was massive, the undertaking. I remember the first time I picked up a Kindle, there was nothing like it that I had ever seen before. But this didn't happen overnight. This was this was a lot of time and a lot of adjustments and a lot of trial and error and testing. How were you able to actually see a project through this size? I mean, this this was a serious undertaking. Yeah. So a little bit of context as to, as to sort of how we how you know Kindle came to life is um, you know in two thousand four, um, believe it or not, you know seventy seven percent of all of Amazon's revenue um, was selling physical books, CDs, and DVDs. So hmm. the Amazon you know today, where you buy anything and everything, um, that was the vision for the company, but it was not yet the reality. The reality was that the, the, the company, you know, you know, three quarters of all the revenue of the company worldwide was based on selling, you know, three media products. It's crazy and, to think about. It's yeah, changed so much. <laughs> yeah. And the writing, but the but the the challenge was that the writing was on the wall. So we happened to be the largest seller of media products online in the world, but they were all physical. However, the writing was on the wall at that time that the world, the media was moving to digital. Um, so for those of you, you old enough to remember, Napster had emerged and people were already, um, you know, millions of people were sharing tens of millions of songs. The iPod uh, by that time had already sold uh, about 2 million units. And uh, it was very clear that, um, you know, instead of shipping, you know, books and silver discs, over time, we'd be shipping bits over the wire to people. And at that time, we weren't in that business, or we were in it a very small way in ebooks, but that we needed to get there. And the important thing is that, you know, what a lot of companies would have done at that moment, and what a lot of companies, by the way, did at that moment, is to um, focus on, you know, what to do very quickly. And by what I mean, they would have said, okay, let's go acquire uh, a company in this digital media space to say, so that we can say, yes, we too are focused on digital media. Or let's take one of our existing teams and we, we're going to build a Me Too product that looks like the um, iPod and iTunes, and we're going to get right into the music business too. Um, but actually, that's not what Jeff did at all. He focused instead not on, on you know what, he focused on sort of how and who and so uh, my then boss, uh, Steve Kessel, who was running that global, uh, you know, physical media business, Amazon's largest business by far, he said, I want you to stop running that business day to day. I want you to, to go off and form a whole new team and just focus on digital media, um, which was a pretty uh, earth shattering concept. And oh, by the way, I'd like you to, to take, you know, take Bill along with you and you're going to go start this new business. 
So um, at a lot of companies, that would have felt like a big demotion because you've gone from managing the biggest business to a non-existent business. But at Amazon, that was a big opportunity and reflected the scale and scope of what Jeff saw and what Amazon saw of the opportunity in digital media. And so, uh, and it was actually one of the first examples of using uh, one of Amazon's uh, organizing principles, which is the single-threaded leader concept, which is to have one leader who is single-threaded focused on an initiative uh, and is has the skills, capability, and and seniority to actually manage the scope and scale of that opportunity. And Steve was one of Amazon's most senior leaders. He was reporting directly to Jeff, a senior vice president. And so then to, to fast forward to answer your question about Kindle, so we started to work on these things. And um, the reality was that, that we went through this difficult process to figure out that I described about the PRFAQ to figure out what kind of device are we even going to build? That took months, um, nearly a year before we even landed on the exact uh, uh, recipe for what the device was. Wow. And then we had to go and assemble. And then we decided, again, the quick route would have been to say, let's outsource this. Um, but we took the longer route because we wanted to make sure that we could really control the end-to-end customer experience. We needed to go hire our own hardware team, which the company at that time had no capability to build hardware. And we were an e-commerce company, and this was kind of an outlandish idea. Um, and there were many other capabilities we had to go acquire and, and hire. So it took a long time to establish the team, to get the right, uh, uh, to get going working on the product. And there were a lot of setbacks along the way. So uh, there are a lot of people asking hard questions, whether it be other senior leaders in the company or board members saying, why are we sp- putting all this time and effort into digital? And as Jeff would say, what we need to do is be um, stubborn on the vision and flexible on the details. So the vision was very simple, which is media is moving to digital. So we need to be a leader there because that's a huge part of our business. We, we have to commit to this. Exactly how we're going to get there, the details, we don't know. And so we explored different ideas for music. We explored ideas for video, for books. And we started off in working on Kindle because using that PRFAQ process, that was the best customer experience idea that we had at that time. And so we then, once we had that idea, then we invested heavily in that. And yes, it took a long time to bring it to market, but once it did, um, you know, it was immediately, uh, it took, it it sold out, I think within a matter of weeks and we were scrambling to get new parts. So, and the rest is history from there. Once the company figured out uh, that they could build great hardware devices. They staffed up a whole team to focus on that, and which has led to other devices that are in tens of millions of homes today, like the Fire TV and Amazon Echo and Alexa. Wow, that's, it's such a motivating story. And, and I, I want you to now bring it down for, for just the entrepreneur who's more so getting started or they have a product or service they're starting to offer. How can they kind of adapt this same mindset and model even at a smaller level, I know I'm like really putting you on the spot with a question like this, but what would you say to somebody more in a starting phase? Like how can they begin positioning themselves for a future like this? Well, the first thing to learn from that story is again, uh, is to focus on the being stubborn on the vision and flexible on the details. So if you're an entrepreneur starting out and you have a business vision in place, um, uh, you, you know, you have to understand that the details of that product, the details of how that business will actually unfold in the coming months, you know, weeks, months, and years are going to morph and change as you get, uh, as you uncover various opportunities, encounter various roadblocks, and uh, get feedback from your customers, by the way. 
and think that through. So, um, you know, don't, but, but stay focused on the vision, uh, but have flexibility on the details. The second thing, um, you know, I would take away from it, and we spent a lot of time on this in, in this discussion, really is this PRFAQ working backwards process. So the, the beauty of this process is that it allows you to spend, a, you, it requires you to spend a lot more time upfront thinking through what it is you want to go build um, before you actually start building. So we often talked about um, measure twice, cut once. And the reason this is important for uh, a lot of entrepreneurs is that, uh, and many of you will be starting tech companies, is that um, your most valuable resources are going to be engineers. And setting them off in the wrong direction uh, is a very costly and a wasteful enterprise. And what often seems like the shortest path to A to Z by thinking short term will actually make it a lot, take a lot more time for you to actually reach your destination. So by spending and investing that time up front to think through exactly what is that product you want to build and the details, um, it will actually get you, and thinking long-term, you'll actually get to your destination faster. It definitely takes a level of self-discipline to start, but it's not complicated. It's not really hard to do. It's just a matter of having the self-discipline to say, I'm not going to start prematurely. Uh, I had this happen when I was doing some software with a friend a few years ago. I was responsible for the direction of a certain piece of this product, and I sent them in the wrong direction. I just thought it real quick. I'm like, this makes sense. I didn't test it or anything like that. We ended up taking months to backtrack and to, re to fix that. And that was my shortcoming. That was on me. But it was one of those times I didn't have the self-discipline to actually go out and think of the customer experience first. So I think what you're sharing here is just beyond valuable for people to do. This one point alone is worth implementing immediately. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, you're, you're totally right. It is the hardest thing to do. I, I too lack that same discipline. I, I remember being... I remember being so anxious in my role in my early days of digital media saying, gosh, why won't Jeff let us just get going and go just launch something? <laughs> and um, I realize now what an incredibly valuable lesson I learned that by taking the time to think through in detail what we wanted to build first, we actually saved ourselves a lot of time later and, and got, got to the point of delighting customers much more quickly. Well, actually, that's really helpful to hear a digital titan like yourself having the same issue that actually makes us feel like you're human like us, too. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, so before we end today, Bill, I just want to ask, do you have any final words of wisdom or advice that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, I just offer that, um, you know, what, you know, what we're trying to do is to is to pass on uh, to the next generation of business leaders um, a set of the, all the things that we learned. So if we could go back in time and you know, uh, talk to the Jeff Bezos of 1997 or 1998, who's just setting out and is about to you know go uh, build this uh, uh, this company with amazing growth. All the things that we could impart to that person uh, are what we learned during the uh, our combined 27 years of the company, and they're things that are um, that you know anyone can do. So. Uh, whether it's how you think about managing your metrics, how you think about hiring people, how you think about product management, how you think about um, uh, uh, your managing meetings and decision making, these are all these are all scalable, repeatable processes, and we sought to sort of make it accessible to you. So we're hopeful that um, you know uh, the next generation of leaders can can learn from what we learned and um, can go build some great companies. Absolutely. Creating a brand. I challenge you to really invest in yourself with working backwards. This is such an important piece, especially as we move more and more into a digital world. Uh, Bill, I'm so thankful for you and for Colin and just the time that you spent with us today. Thank you so much for sharing. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. 
Bill really did a great job capturing the essence of what it means at Amazon to start with the customer and work backwards. I learned a lot from this conversation and now Amazon seems a little less mysterious to me and it has also inspired me to make some adjustments in my own business to begin implementing this concept of working backwards. Bill, thank you again for being a guest today and giving us all an inside perspective on what it looks like to be part of Amazon and what has made the organization so successful. To pick up a copy of Bill Carr's book, Working Backwards, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 083. Thank you as always for listening and I'm looking forward to bringing you another Masterclass episode next week. 